Welcome to the London Writing Guy podcast. Those snippets of audio you've just heard are from the events of April 23rd, 1979 in Southall, West London. That was the day when the National Front decided to hold a meeting in Southall Town Hall, to which the local community decided to protest against. That day resulted in clashes between the local community and the police, where it is now well known that the police used extremely heavy-handed and violent tactics in order to police the event. Those violent and heavy-handed tactics led to the murder of Blair Peach, who was a teacher from New Zealand. All of this was at a time where racism was perhaps at its peak. This conversation is about that day and what led to the events of that day taking place. This conversation is with Ravi Jain. Ravi, at the time, was the General Secretary of the National Association for Asian Youth. It's a bit of a long one, so uh, hang in there, but um, it really is an interesting deep dive into the historical sequence of events and the political climate at the time. It really gives an overview of the situation around migration uh, at the time in, in the 60s and 70s. Um, we cover quite a lot in this conversation. We cover things such as the reason for the large migrant population in Southall, which was made up by a large South Asian population, but also at the time a large West Indian population. As I already mentioned, this was perhaps a time where racism was at its peak, and so we discuss the impact of Enoch Powell's Rivers of Blood speech. We discuss the murder of Gurdeep Singh Chaga, who was murdered in Southall and perhaps was a catalyst for the local community standing up against the National Front and the racism at the time. The murder of Gurdeep Singh Chaga actually led to the formation of what is now known as the Southall Youth Movement which was a local community group set up to protect the local community from the racism that they were facing. And of course, we discussed the events of the day itself, um, which it would include the heavy-handed nature of the police's tactics, the use of excessive violence. There are many eyewitness accounts and reports of police using these heavy-handed tactics and using excessive violence. And we also discussed the details related to Blair Peach's death and the covering up of the report, uh, now known as the Commander Cass Report, or the Cass Report. Um, the events of the day are still topical, uh, even right now, as there is a ongoing spy cops inquiry, which if you're unaware of, just do a Google search and you will come up with ample amounts of information related to that. In all, I think this conversation paints a picture of the character of the community of Southall. It's a story that often goes under the radar. I feel is not talked about enough. I feel not enough people are aware of this story and what took place on the day. I hope you enjoy this conversation. And if you are enjoying these conversations that I am putting out, please make sure you are following London Writing Guy on Instagram. Make sure you are subscribed and or following this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please do leave a review or a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts as that always helps. There will not be a written version of this conversation as I feel like there's almost too much to cover and too much to coherently put across, which I feel the best version of is in this conversation that I had with Ravi. So for now... I hope you enjoy the conversation and I'll leave you with this. And one of the biggest stories I think um, that is untold uh, in the in the bigger sphere is the story about the, the South Wales riots that happened in uh, 1979 and and the Blair Peach incident and I think it's it's well known amongst a lot of people but I think um, it deserves a lot more um, a lot more people talking about it it's kind of quite a big part of South Asian history but also um, history of London and the UK because um, they have so many different touch points um, so one of my first questions is kind of what were you um, 
doing at the time of of, of on, on the day that like what was your role or kind of you know what were you doing work-wise at the time i think to start with i don't like the phrase south or right i will say it was a police riot as right. as opposed to what i will call south or resistance although is indicative of young people's participation but whole of the community was involved in in significant uh, significant proportion so it was in popular media that they created uh, the term riots and it wasn't riot by the community we had planned it a very peaceful demonstration and opposition to national front and their incursion to hold a meeting in south hall town hall which is part of literally heart of uh, community um, i was general secretary of national association for asian youth at the time which was a charity and that imposed number of restriction on our action we were receiving funding from home office at the time and also as a charity we couldn't get into campaigning so overtly we had to maintain a stance of not actually uh, forefront of it but we supported and acted both in our individual capacity as well as facilitated uh people to participate and organize so ravi before we get into actual uh, the day itself and and the kind of the disturbances i'd like to actually go and start back at where perhaps even when the south asian community started coming to southall and and perhaps like what the reasons for what you saw as the reasons for why there was such a a big population in south or of south asian and west indians and then what perhaps led to gudeep jagger's murder in um june of 1976 i believe gudeep was was murdered i think you you have asked number of pertinent questions it is generally said that the personal officer of wolf rubber which is a factory which is on border of south hall who was an officer in british army and has worked with indian soldiers and that time britain was going through post economic well, sorry world war 2 shortage of labor because british industries were totally in decline whereas in europe they were investing heavily in new machinery britain was still depending on old machinery therefore they needed cheap labor so there were plenty of vacancies and as you will appreciate we have got this kinship thing if you if you like something you invite your family friends and extended network of uh, relatives early 60s was the period when people started to come in 62 when they imposed the restriction of when people will require a work permit to come here so so call sponsorship wasn't enough that prompted lots of people to make sure that they call their relatives as soon as possible even if they didn't have the plan they invited them at that time britain have external control but no internal control on immigration so if you cross the border and if you are flown in and there is no restriction you can work and that's how community started to develop and when the restriction of dependence were imposed immigration flourished also you need to remember at that time they were mostly adults and able bodied people who were coming so they were mostly in their 20s to 40s issues emerge on housing and work situation because works were plenty so if 
you don't like the work or if you're sacked, you can move elsewhere. Problem only emerged when they couldn't speak English, and which was a large cross-section of the community. They were mostly farmers. So Indian Workers Association, South Hall, became the key organization which assisted people to deal with it. I came to South Hall in 1964. And that time, I was a young man as well. I found mostly young people were milling around, nowhere to sit. And we only congregated in one particular restaurant because South Hall was like a small town. Which restaurant was that, just out of interest? Uh, we used to call it Jones Cafe uh, on the Green. So within two weeks of my arrival, we set up Indian Youth Club. So there we started to have table tennis and other. So we persuaded the landlord because nothing was being used on their first floor. So he allowed us. After a while, it was very difficult and Indian Work Association allowed us to move to their premises. So we bought some weightlifting equipment. And so that's how the youth, the need for young people became critical. Naturally, when the family started to come in, it had two consequences. One, women didn't want multiple occupation. So they were 10, 12, 13 people were living in one household, which is uh, geared for three people for two different reasons. One was overt racism, where white families wouldn't allow Asian to come in. And I have seen from my eyes, no gypsies, no wogs, no dogs. So people got together, managed to buy a house, and then it was pressure, peer pressure, allow somebody to sleep. So in one room, there are three people sleeping. Not because they wanted to, because there is no option. So when the families came, they didn't want their young wife with so many bachelors living in the premises. So housing became a, a big issue. Number two, the children who were going to school, they have no knowledge of English. So it created an issue for the schools. Number three, it put pressure on housing. And at that time in Ealing, we had a policy of point system. So you got to have that many points before you are accepted on the list. And how long you are in the country was a critical point. It was also peak of racism. It meant you are in great need of housing, but no way you can get onto. And third one was the racism. In jobs, you are not promoted, even though you are skilled, you have acquired those skills, you can speak the language. In schools, because of not able to speak English, you couldn't relate and interact with your class fellows. So they started reception classes, but pressure on education in schools was significant. And that's how Lord Boyle, who became education minister, started dispersal policy after visiting a local school. In this case, the American concept was uh, brought in as opposed to children being integrated in the school, they started to say number of Asian in any classroom can't be that high. And they started dispersing all over the area. And that created number of other issues. One busing problem because you can't take public transport and that time it was not that, that good quality and it was taking longer. When the coaches were uh, employed by the school or education department, 
the local kids who had to walk all the way, they thought these kids are privileged kids. So there were violence outside of the bus stop. There were violence in the coaches. Stones were thrown, people were bashed up, teachers were racist. Whereas the uh, Asian kids were, uh, who can't speak English, and Caribbean kids were ESN, educationally subnormal, so which yep. is a subject on its own. Mm-hmm. Indian women couldn't go for shopping because uh, they weren't allowed to even try or touch clothes. Companies like uh, Marks and Spencer wouldn't allow them to touch. Forget about testing them because uh, the words were said, if they wear it, no white woman will touch it. So you 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 can imagine racism was as you speak. So on that point, you, so we're kind of in the late 60s, early 70s now, and I know um, something I want to, I want to touch on um, the Enoch Powell Rivers of Blood speech, which would have happened around that time. What do you What do you remember about that speech, and kind of what do you, What was the community reaction to that? I think, funnily enough, that day I was a vote counter for IWA election. IWA had a very large membership. Editor of India Weekly. He was the chair of Scrutineers, and we read that speech in Sunday Times in the hall. And at that time, everybody said he shouldn't have said it. He shouldn't utter it. There was hushed silence because we didn't know how to react, how to fight back. We were total stunned. Although IWA made statement, challenged it, because that way, I must say, IWA have a very internationalist policy because most of the people were, or in leadership, were member of the acts, Communist Party, or activists from the union side and uh, who came from Punjab. They did not fully grasp the issues facing challenges in settling in and creating a quality of life. That was the conflict which was developing. But to answer your question on the reaction to your file, it was in community, it was very muted. We were also moving to a notion of we want to earn enough money, go back, and we'll buy, invest in land because they didn't like the atmosphere, they didn't like the food, and there was nothing to interact with. What was the reaction, particularly outside the area? I don't know, but it was a period of very humbling proportion. I can only imagine it increased tensions somewhat under the surface um, and it perhaps even enabled those that held those same views because they would have heard Powell speak in the way that he did and I believe he perhaps would have been he would have been speaking to that contingent that shared those same views so um, I guess we eventually with the racism it's an it's a segue into potentially the Gudeep Singh Chugga murder um which I want to, I want to get your thoughts on that, and tell me a little bit about the details surrounding that murder with the with the heights in with the heights in racism at that time. It appears because I am not the best person because I did not study. Uh, I think Suresh Grover will have more detail because he he have read the court document. Sure. Uh, popular thing as uh, view was that he was working in a shop and it appears that there was a conflict with a white girl and some guy Caribbean, half Caribbean, half English we, we don't know 
he came round and challenged Gurdeep. And at that time, there was a stabbing. And he moved from King Street towards the green. And he died near the Victory Pub, which is literally opposite. There was very strong reaction by young people. They thought everybody was ignoring. They organized a demonstration spontaneously from there to police station in South Hall. Only person who was notable, who attended that meeting and walked with young people was Vishnu Sharma, late Vishnu Sharma. And the reaction was against IWA and the elder community. The crazy part is my office is no more than 300 meters at the time from the police station. And we were having a discussion with Bhikkhu Parikh, who was our chair. He's Lord Parikh. And we were discussing how do we deal with changing the debate from the races to the need of the community. And the topic was Asian agenda. Following Gurdjieff's integrated uh, death, I got involved in a big way. Meeting was held the following day at Dominion uh, Cinema, where I offered premises to hold a meeting and deal with the issues. There were two reasons for that. One, I had worked from 68 60, oh, 67 to 75 as a youth worker, detached youth worker. An association was set up, oh, sorry, was funded six or eight months before, and we were building up our office. So we had a fairly large premises on the high street. They didn't want to relate to either uh, way. That premises was offered. And within three months, Southall Youth Movement was established. So would you say the Southall Youth Movement was established post Gurdjieff Singh Chagasmada in, in reaction to that to that death? Yeah, because in our role, we were a national organization. Due to my personal involvement, I knew all the people, but organizationally, I cannot set up or work directly. Although our local body, Scope South Hall, did work with them, but their focus was on community as opposed to young people. They were problem solving like women, elderly, and self-improvement, all that. So consequently, South Hall movement was necessary where young people can participate and determine their own future and deal with the other overt, if you like, racist issues which was confronting them. So it was necessary for Southall Youth Movement to emerge. And what was the community reaction to the Southall Youth Movement being set up? Was it something that they saw it was needed or was there uh, an alternative reaction to them? I think there was enormous support and sympathy because there were issues of racism which couldn't be dealt with. And Southern Youth Movement represented a radical action as opposed to IWA servicing the needs which were good enough for 60s and early 70s, but not dealing with the structural problem. Take, for example, on busing. They supported busing. We opposed it. I'm on a uh, select committee report representing three different organizations using the report of Ealing Community Relations Council opposing busing. Because IWA leadership thought it is good for education of young people if they are exposed. So I believe rightly or wrongly that Southern Youth Movement did not develop their political ideological base. They were interested in attracting funding 
so that they can create provision. Difficulty with funding is if you don't manage it properly, it will corrupt you. Um, so it's a very it's a very interesting history about the Southwood Youth Movement because I, I believe they were quite key to then discussing the 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 events of the day of the twenty third of April nineteen seventy nine. But let's perhaps kind of let's talk about or you tell me about why the National Front meeting was planned to be held in Southall Town Hall. Now, as I understand it, there were local elections or, or national elections happening at the time. So tell me a bit about that that, that time and kind of the elections that were happening and also perhaps yeah, the, the reason for why we think that the National Front decided to hold a meeting in Southall Town Hall. It still goes back to racism and Enoch Powell speech. The debate about repatriation was that to speak. They were talking about alien culture. The world or concept which is not um, studied carefully or, or, or uh, in popular vocabulary is laissez-faire attitude of the government. They believe things will happen. Structure can cope with it. Only intervention through the central government came or was through section 11. That was special funding with Kalan created to deal with Commonwealth immigrants because most of the migrants who came from uh, countries were from Commonwealth. So it allowed revenue funding to local authorities and um, other institutions. Also, Later on, they started urban program. That it was to deal with the urban deprivation and migration issue. So, SYM still plays a emotional role, but I believe because of that lack of skill and no ideology to behind it or uh, to back it up, it created problem. Plus the leadership was involved in one or two episodes where one can challenge it. If you read the book um, Tariq, uh, Tariq Ali wrote, Tariq Ali of Bradford 12, but it also reached the level where the original founders deposed the leadership and had a new group of people by the time RWA, oh, sorry, SYM was divided. So it had got the emotional uh, attachment, young people's aspiration, and lots of people learned and gained leadership and helped to create a number of groups like Tarahart's group. Um, I think that came from uh, Gudeep Singh Shankar's dad and a natural consciousness. Bradford Youth Movement, they were a lot more ideologically recognizing their role or what role young people can bring. But some total of that one is that South Hall wasn't taken for granted because we became a community who can stand on its own feet. Let's quickly just go back to um, the... The, the just before the meeting was arranged. So um, I believe there were elections happening uh, in the area and the National Front decided to hold a meeting in Southall, which was quite obviously to provoke the local community. Would you would you say that would be accurate? Um, and that was the. Right. Yep. And then and then I guess so. tell me a little bit about when you became aware of the meeting having been arranged and the fact that it was going to be held in Southall Town Hall. At uh, what point did um, the community, the IWA, the Southall Youth Movement decide, okay, we need to do something about this, that this should not be happening in our town? Three or four weeks before, and we were planning, and we looked at various things, but we did not calculate it will lead to that great opposition. So we were prepared 
but not ready for that onslaught. What is not also recognized, the special patrol group was going to come. Weeks before uh, the actual incident, we were protesting, we were writing, we were conjoling Ealing Council not to allow them to hold a public meeting and raise the whole issue. It will create confrontation and is not going to be acceptable. Despite our effort and other people's effort, the leader of the council uh, uh, at that time was minded to allow that meeting to take place. So some concession was one, although we weren't part of it, is to some people to allow them to attend. So two or three councillors did go to Southwold Town Hall to attend the meeting, whereas rest of us planned what we are going to do and how we are going to deal with it. So meetings were held. We invited all the young people, particularly Southwold Youth Movement and other activists. At that time, anti-Nazi League, they were quite active and we held the meeting, how we are going to organize it to the extent that we even have the phone number of telephone kiosk from where people are going to ring us to alert us what police is doing. I was studying the manner in which the police won their argument in Notting Hill um, disturbances. One of the greatest observations which came was the community didn't have a spokesperson. They did not manage to alert media or give a definite statement. Number two, there were no pictures of any incident which were made available, whereas the police organized all the interviews in hospitals as well as provided pictures. So it was a police slant to ensure their side of the picture is, is prominent. So we organize in such a way so that we can give a feedback as well as provide pictures to the extent that even when the disturbance uh, were initiated, we corrected that time ITV output. So that was the first time we corrected and started to give our stances. We also managed to set up a group of people, despite our differences, because uh, as you will appreciate, uh, there were various shades of opinion, various ways of dealing with the issue. Indian Workers Association, which was a big community organization, mostly dominated by the adult community leaders, then Southall Youth Movement, which was mostly young people, managed and, and used by young people. Uh, Southall Rights, who were defending the uh, legal side of the things, which was set up after Gurdjieff Chagar's death, and other young people. And we wanted to ensure that whatever we do during the daytime is managed. So tell me a little bit about the special patrol group, because they obviously, they don't exist anymore, as I understand it. And uh, uh, It's tactical support group now. Right. And so they were deployed to Southall to uh, man or, or, or police the day uh, where there, were there was going to be opposition from the local community towards the National Front. So there seemed to be uh, a heavy-handed police presence uh, I believe. So tell me a little bit about what your opinion of, of that police presence was. I think two parts which is not known. When the special patrol group or SPG uh, is involved, they have total control and local police does not have any say. So command structure was run by them. I believe there was a sergeant who was working 
post Gurudev Singh Chagga's death on South of the station, he came back and I related to him through my youth work and the interaction. He used that knowledge and intelligence to manage the community. So SPG is dependent on that intelligence. To say that there is no line of communication between SPG command and local intelligence, I, I don't believe is, is possible. Only thing is happens is, is that we were not supposed to have any demonstration before one o'clock. There were some member of SYM who got really excited or other young people who got pretty excited and they started to act and SPG then acted. What was worse, Southall were divided into two. So people weren't allowed to move from old Southall to Broadway side. And when the police action took place, they closed all the side roads. So the people can't move. If we try to move from High Street towards the South Road, helicopter will alert them. And next thing you know, police is blocking the road. So you can't move. We managed it because our office backs up in uh, Avenue Road and we, we can bypass. So they were only blocking from the front of the high street. What in fact is, is the critical part, arrest was made, police was extremely ruthless. We were told, again, I have got no evidence, that there was an army in Hounslow Barracks and Southall Barracks. They, they were ready because there, there were a feeling for a change. They want to control Southall, particularly young people or any radical element. So that what happened in 76 is forgotten. There were some businesses who weren't keen because they were dependent on lots of visitors coming from outside. So they were supporting police to manage young people. So I think if you look at carefully business people's attitude towards the policing and, and young people's behavior have a lot more to do with it. And the community is still divided on that one. What is not known, that weekend we had a Asian Youth Conference in Leicester. And there was a demo in Leicester, which became, again, very bloodied. South of Youth Movement then left Leicester Conference to come to South Hall because there was a clear view the Sunday demonstration is going to be very high profile. And did you expect the police to be as heavy-handed as we now they as we now know they were? Was there was there an expectancy of that? No, our phones were cut. Southall rights phones were cut. We had parabolic microphones, helicopters. Pregnant women were attacked. Police horses were there. Only a week before, people's unite offices on the other side of the police station that was destroyed. Um, and then, obviously, you were—you uh, would have been. Were you there on the day? Uh, were you yeah, there? I was, yeah, I was there. Yeah. Uh, and what was your role on the day, being given that you were part of the organisations that you were, and and that you were part of also the IWA? What was the IWA's involvement on, on the day? to manage the community and, and liaise with the community? And what was your what was your role on the day with regards to managing and liaising? I think, as I said to you, I was restricted uh, through organization. But because all the staff was on leave and we had very large staff, quite a few key people who are now active were part employed by association at the time. 
So Oliver Liu, Eve Turner, Suresh Grover, uh, Professor Taro Bra, and lots of others. Because staff was on leave, so they, personally they could act. I was on the this side of Southall uh, Station near Southall Park. We were like any other individual. Only thing is I could maneuver my way to my office to get the feedback from other staff and answer messages through uh, other networks. Um, local people will pass on the messages to each other. And then what was the IWA's specific involvement? Because I have seen footage uh, on from old news footage where there are IWA representatives liaising with between the police and the community. Um, I've actually seen my granddad in that footage um, liaising with the, the, one of the police um, commanders. And so it's, it's quite interesting to, to know a little bit more about that because I've obviously heard it from my family and stuff, but uh, it'd be interesting to hear from you what the IWA's involvement in the days prior and also on the day was? I think the IWA leadership mostly were present in meetings or general meetings where the public was involved. They, their general contention was we got to liaise with the police and make sure that National Front meeting doesn't take place. They were not for confrontation. And that's how you will see them leading the demonstration because you, you need to recognize we always have uh, respect for our elders. Of course. We we've touched on the aspects of the police brutality, the unexpected nature of how heavy-handed they were. What I want to get into is the specifics of their heavy-handedness. Now, I think to not discuss it, I think to gloss over it as just police brutality, I think it it minimizes exactly what they did on the day. I want to get into the details about what you're aware of, the tactics that they employed on the day. I think the nearest summing up I can reflect Tariq Ali, the, the, the student leader, uh, he was the uh, International Marxist Group, IMG. I think one of his quotes was that South Hall was like uh, Eden of, of 50s, India 40s, where use of public horse, oh, sorry, horses on a public meeting is crowded where people are climbing trees to avoid police baton charge is totally unacceptable. And how they dealt with Blair Peach is one prime example of that. So I think I, I would say that sums up. Of what I have seen and narrated to you before, police helicopter, parabolic microphone, and other intelligence, in terms of my personal experience, because police tactics of cattling the crowd didn't allow me to see that many things. However, I can say the manner in which they destroyed People's Unites building systematically, I have seen from my own eyes where this 15, 16-year-old kid was on the roof he was escaping from police or police brutality, and they destroyed that building. That experience, I can say, I can imagine how brutal, systematically, they are capable of demolishing anything. And we talk about the People's Unite building. Am I right in thinking, I may be getting confused, but am I right in thinking that was the Six Park View building? Yeah, that's the one. So that, that's... um. It's, it's, it's something that comes up a lot when reading around this topic. Um, so let, let's talk about the, the significance of that People's Unite building and Six Park View, um, where there's actually currently a, um, a plaque installed on the pavement to mark uh, what happened on the day uh, around there. But uh, as I understand it, it was a cultural and art centre at, at one point, or, or have I got that incorrect? Or 
I think you need to remember the impact of racism was significant. I employed two uh, black people, Peter Sylvester and other. They were very interested in making the drum, oh, sorry, uh, sound equipment. And we managed to persuade Indian Workers Association to give space a Dominion Ballroom. So they were manufacturing, uh, building sound system there. For the 14 Featherstone Road, in 1972, was occupied from uh, by Children of God, this Christian uh, group. And after a year or so, they were moving out, and I took over that building from them. So Scope South was there, and we allowed these groups to go and manufacture sound system there. And that became People's Unite. People's Unite was not only a music group, but they pioneered self-help and not depending on state aid. So it was a ideological group where mostly, no, 90% of Black Caribbean a group, some white teachers and other activists and some patients were involved. Their meetings or group discussion were very open and all people were listened to. So uh, that is a new way of thinking. If you like, harbinger of that change, which one. That's very interesting uh, to have that group in around the community at that point. Um, so we were, we, we go back to talk about the day and how the police, uh, what they did to that People's Unite building, and as I understand it, they they raid they raided that building to yeah. um, get rid of uh, any. I believe there were some placards being held or being made within this building. I think, um, and the police kind of found out, you know, that was being used as a hub, uh, and they and they raided and and attacked the people within that building. Um, would you would you say that would be accurate in terms of detail of of that day? There were a lot more activities than, yep. than making placard. Right. I, I would say that was the real community, a uh, real community base, and people felt at ease. So it was almost like a, a place of solace for on the day yeah. as a. Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's yep. interesting. Um, and then I think then we come to, I want to talk about now that the, what goes down in history is perhaps one of the, one of the, biggest moments of the day which was as part of the brutality as part of the heavy-handed nature of the police's tactics um tell me about what you know of Blair Peach who he was and also kind of just the incident uh that we we all know of uh, uh that led to Blair Peach's unfortunate death because as as what I know is he was um, from New Zealand and he was active with regards to anti-fascist um, movements um, and he was present on the day um, in Southall um, and as part of the heavy-handed nature of the police's tactics I believe he was struck over the head um, with a police by, by a police baton uh, but you tell me uh, probably you probably a, a bit better aware of that situation I think you need to remember the period of busing and and it made quite a lot of teachers very active and there was number of organizations, National Association for Multicultural Education and others who took very active interest. So teachers were at the forefront despite all the racist attitude, they led the chain. And political party, because their awareness, so socialist policies were the critical part of that development, and they played that role. So Blair Peach was part of that group. He was uh, activist of Anti-Nazi League. And to show that solidarity, he came to South Hall as that part. What 
I gather that he was chased by a group of four SPG officers and his skull was cracked by a cosh which was loaded by some extra weight and that report was released was it two years ago? Commander Cass report which uh, writes in full detail but no SPG officers were charged although they identified but they couldn't pinpoint which officers used the CAS uh, coach. Only thing which I can say immediately after the incident we convened a meeting of all the uh, solicitor and barrister, including uh, Malcolm Harvitt, ex-president of NCCL, and Paul Butang. There was a fear at around 10.30 that uh, police was going to raid SYM. And there was a possibility of conspiracy charges. Although my relationship with SYM wasn't very good, I went there and asked them to get rid of all the things which they had collected, the hats and the coaches and the... because we were fearful that uh, they will be raided. So with, with Blair Peach, um... He was struck over the head. He, he, I mean, people from Southall or, or know that know the history will know that he obviously passed away um, the following day. He died in hospital early morning uh, on the on the twenty fourth. There's a there's a plaque in dedication to Blair Peach and Misty and Roots um, uh, on Southall Town Hall currently uh, in his memory. And as we know, the cast report there there was a report that. I believe was suppressed at the time, um, yeah. and it only only came out in in recent years, post the day, and the, I can only imagine there would have been questions and there would have been, the community asking, you know, how Blair Peach, succumbed to 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 this and kind of who, attacked him after the day. There would have been a long time. I can only assume that questions were asked. I can only imagine there was a lot of frustration as part of the community in terms of trying to get answers what do you what do you what do you remember about that, that period and how long did that perhaps that frustration perhaps last for immediately afterwards although that issue was there they were more concerned about the young people who or people who got arrested defending those because what is even amazing. The cases were held something like 20 miles away from, from Southall. Very few cases were heard at Ealing. So organizing their defense and paying for it and doing the fundraising was not a small task. I personally got involved on that one. We raised Around 700,000 pounds, we defended all the young people, or sorry, all the people who were charged, paid their fines and paid their legal fees. So can you imagine over 700 people were arrested, 344 were charged, and police tactics were so bad, they were dropping people in the middle of motorway. I had to persuade friend of mine to arrange 11 cars to pick up people from middle of nowhere, where people were arrested and they were starving. And we had to run soup kitchen in our office. I also handed over that slot which was given to me, um, or I applied for, is BBC Open Door program. We got involved in producing that film. 
for Open Door, which was shown in September uh, that year. So to be honest with you, that became my full-time job. Only interesting thing was that I went to America on uh, with the delegation of British Youth Council, and I was distributing a leaflet at White House about police riot. It is fairly important. Uh, the issue was raised. However, what you said right at the beginning, this role is not recognized. Only very limited amount is published. Nobody highlights. It has a significant impact, which only few people now start to recognize. Yeah. And I think the recognition about the incident perhaps may have come back into light in, I believe it was 2010 when there was, there was a G20 protest and Ian Tomlinson, he was a newspaper vendor, he, yeah. he died in similar fashion. And I believe that's when I think the Mets were forced to release the, the, the previous CAS report. There may have been another report that they were forced to release at that time, which after so long, so given that the events happened in 1979, and given that, you know, we fast forward to 2010, 30 years later, the report was finally released that eventually mentioned that Blair Peach most likely died from a policeman striking him on the head. It's it's astonishing that the Blair Peach incident and what happened in Southall on the day, for me, is not more widely known. Uh, and, you know, I think it's, a worthy story to tell it's it's something that needs to be remembered especially with regards to southall's history and i'm glad that there are those plaques uh, outside southall town hall but i'm not sure those plaques give the full history uh, or, or explain the extent to which the incidents on the day occurred so on that note of how long it's been do you think the community in southall Obviously, the community in Southall has changed, but do you think the community in Southall still remembers, still still thinks about what happened, still has the potential traumas of what happened on the day? Do you think that still exists in and around the community? You are right to look at police brutality, but to say that there are few incidents in police. I got a feeling we have a situation in this country where there are certain sacred cows and police is one of them. You cannot say anything against the British police. Somehow the community consent which they believe there is, is lots of hogwash because I was under surveillance of special branch. There are a number of people who were under um, uh, studies of special branch. Police is involved in, in, in all sorts of things with the number of community leaders. That part continues. So that, that is nothing new. Only thing is the general public is fed into that narrative, there is nothing wrong with the police, but each day we read report, there is complicity. Police intelligence uh, in, in, in all sorts of incidents, all sorts of activist uh, group, and the current inquiry which is going on is part of that indication. Karasadik, her involvement was even in that murder case of uh, private detectives. Uh, Morris, whatever her name is, where X was in the skull of that uh, officer. So I will have to take that one with a pinch of salt. Community have got one danger, and that is part of history. We tend to forget the worst part which has happened to us. The new generation which is growing up is going through 
a education system where it doesn't teach and we don't make a effort to teach that part of history. Uh, I was talking to a young woman 10 years ago. I was trying to ask her what it means to be extreme racism in America and she couldn't define it. When I said the black people were strung on, and she wouldn't believe it. Five years ago, I went to uh, Sasol College to talk to a group of young people. They didn't know anything about it. They do not recognize the role the community has played. We got to recognize that we are a working class community. We had made this mark and it has changed the society and changed the society in a big way. We are no longer seen like 60s and 70s. All the black Caribbeans are criminals. Asians are, or Indians are uh, illegal immigrants and Irish are terrorists. Because that was the notion which was in 70s. We have made an uh, impact and we are no longer seen as um, only cleaners and the coolies. Only thing is missing, we are not able to teach history to our own young people who are growing up in this country. I think that's a really powerful thing to say. I think the young community, the younger community, the school-going generation won't, like you say, they won't know about what happened and, and what this community has been through, let alone this particular day. It's it's the the decades of things that your community, your your generation lived through, my granddad's generation, who you obviously remember, Darshan Singh Bhopparai, and kind of what he did for the community, what my parents went through, everything that they saw. Um, the community now, uh, or the gener- the young generation now, won't know of that. They won't remember unless we tell them. And how can we tell them? It's by recording these kinds of stories. You know, it's by telling them these kinds of stories. In all of that, you mentioned the most recent inquiry that's going on. Did you were you referring to the spy cops inquiry? That's right. Yeah, which which is obviously another huge aspect of things, um, which ties in to all of this. Um, I believe it came out recently that the the Mets um, were secretly surveilling. Blair Peach's funeral on the day they were filming and they then also carried out surveillance on on Blair Peach's wife for, for 20 years, I believe, Celia Stubbs, I believe. They 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 monitored her, which is obviously quite an emotional thing to have experienced. How how much are you following that inquiry or have you kind of left I it behind, behind you? I read what is published in Guardian. That's my limit. Um, but I would say I do suspect they, they are two people and I think one I don't know whether he was working for British intelligence or Indian intelligence he was working for us he gave a story that while he was in the hospital in Hillingdon police horse stepped on him and his testicles were removed we used the story in that open door. And when that story came, Matt rang up his solicitor. She rang up and said, that part is not correct. So whenever we show that film, we always mention that. So I don't know how that story. And second one was a guy, white guy, who came on Ealing Communications Council and he indicated that he can get half a million pound or quarter million pound. And that in itself created some demand who should be the recipient of that money. And that guy disappeared. So I don't know. I think I, at one time, start to see that these type of things constantly happen. So Agent Pavakota will will always be there. 
and they will be initiative to divide the community. So we 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 got to be seen as a a person who learned by mistake, and we can't keep anything confidential. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Ravi Jain. As ever, if you are enjoying these conversations, please do make sure you are following London Writing Guy on Instagram. Make sure you are subscribed to or following London Writing Guy wherever you get your podcasts. Please do leave a review or a rating wherever you get your podcasts if you are enjoying these conversations. But for now, thank you for listening.